I wanted to share with you this morning, uh, a week ago last Tuesday, I went to my uncle's funeral in northern PA, and uh, it was kind of bright, and so I was going through Watkins Glen, and it was foggy, and, and the sun was so bright, you know, on the way down. But on the way back, I began to notice, uh, anybody been on 14, you know, driving by Seneca Lake there? There is vineyard after vineyard after vineyard after winery after winery after winery. And I sampled all the... No. Um, uh, I was... It was almost like you went right from one to the other. I, I had no idea. You know, I knew this area was, you know, pretty good, Finger Lakes, as far as vineyards goes, but uh, just had no idea. I, I've since learned that there's 22 different wineries just on the west side of Seneca Lake. That, that just seems like a lot to me. Now, for us, uh, wine might be anything from non-existent, like, you know, for me, because I don't care for it, uh, to a special occasion drink or, or a dinner staple, okay? But in Jesus' day, it was definitely a household staple. Since they would have had open wells, and their water then would be susceptible to bugs and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, it was actually better to drink wine. Even you, you, you see Paul telling Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Don't just drink water. Uh, it, it's, it's messing with your digestive system, right? So sources tell us, though, that that, uh, that, that standard household wine was not very high in alcohol content. Matter of fact, even uh, it was drunk by children, you know, at meals. So, um, but the alcohol killed off, you know, whatever wasn't in, good in it. Uh, grapes, raisins were also very, very prevalent uh, in the diet of that time. So vineyards were plentiful uh, there in Israel and very important to the culture. Uh, wine was a part of their different feasts and celebrations. And, you know, so, so many things uh, depended on those vineyards. And uh, so you, you didn't just plant some grape plants and just, you know, well, maybe it'll grow, maybe it won't, maybe it'll bear fruit, maybe it won't. You know, they, they took the time and the energy and the effort because uh, those things were planted to bear fruit. Okay, It was important. It was a staple. They needed the fruit there. So they were planted to bear fruit, and it took time and effort. There's soil cultivation. There's fertilization. There's staking. There's pruning, etc., etc., etc. So when Jesus, who talked a lot about vineyards, by the way, um, said in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, his hearers would have realized that this is not just an optional thing, that like a vineyard, they were planted by the Lord to fulfill a very important purpose. We've talked before about why God doesn't just simply take us to heaven. You know, if, if, if it's just about being in God's presence and worshiping forever, why doesn't he just take us home when we get saved, right? No, we're left here for a very important purpose to be an influence for the kingdom of God, to be salt and to be light, right? 
that, that through our lives, through our character, our actions and our words, we might in some way be of, of small or great influence on the people around us to influence them toward a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. It's our highest purpose. It's our highest calling in life because it's eternal. Everything else we do in this world just affects this world, which is just a short time. But our influence on other people for the kingdom of God is that which is eternal. And so it is our highest and best and most important purpose in life, isn't it? So, Jesus, in John 15, our next section in John, shows us how to fulfill that calling. And you would think he'd say, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. But he doesn't say that. He does tell us how to bear maximum fruit for the kingdom. And uh, I want to title the message this morning, Abiding in Christ. John 15 uh, beginning of verse 1, he says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Okay, he is the vine, we are the branches. What a wonderful picture that is. Right? We're not, we're not left out on our own to, to be this influence, to, to have this incredibly important job in the world. We are part of Him, right? When we come to faith in Jesus, when we're born again, He, he comes to live in us by His Spirit, right? Living in us and living through us, right? Empowering us to do what we could not do on our own. As He says in verse 5, without me, you can do nothing, okay? But notice... He says in, in verse 2, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, the Father, takes away. Okay? Again, it's, it's, not, it's not optional. Um, as someone once said, uh, sitting in church doesn't make us a Christian any more than sitting in a garage makes us an automobile. Okay? If we've truly been made new creations in Christ, if he truly lives in us, it's going to show. Plain and simple, it's just going to show. Not all at once, right? The Bible says we're transformed from glory to glory to glory. It's a process. But if there's no show, if there's no grow, then it's a no-go, right? That's what Jesus is saying here. Fruit is the natural, or should I say supernatural, evidence of true faith, of being a true Christian. Jesus himself said this. He says, by their fruit, you will know them. Right? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Okay? Who, who, who's he talking about? He's talking about people that have heard the message but haven't really taken it to heart. That, that, that uh, maybe even have joined churches, but, but the, uh, the, the gospel hasn't penetrated. They haven't truly put their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They've, they've adopted maybe a religion, a set of principles, but it hasn't, hasn't penetrated the heart. So in essence, they've ultimately rejected Him. 
haven't they, as, as their personal Savior. And so, at the end, on Judgment Day, right, they're taken away. But every branch that does bear fruit, <laughs> he prunes so that they bear more fruit, right? Pruning. Uh, how, many, how many own fruit trees or anything? I know Tom's got a bunch of stuff, Mary's got stuff. Um, whether it's a grapevine or a fruit tree, pruning is absolutely essential if you want fruit, right? What you do, in essence, is to cut away a lot of the useless foliage that takes up space and a whole lot of energy on that plant that can then be used to produce more fruit. With us, it means getting rid of a bunch of useless things like pride and envy and gossip and complaining so that we can have more time and energy for love and faithfulness and building bridges, right? Doing things that positively affect others for the kingdom of God, which certainly benefits us too. Amen? We'll talk about more of this in the future. Uh, verse 3, he says this. He's, he's talking to his disciples here. He says, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Okay? They were made clean. They were made righteous. They were given righteousness. How? Same way Abraham was. They believed him. They believed in him. They believed he was the Messiah. They had accepted him as their personal Savior. So they were made righteous. They were made clean by the word that he spoke to them. And then he says this, verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Right? Cut off a branch, take it away. <laughs> What's it going to do? It's going to wither and die, right? Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Interesting. Bearing fruit is not a matter of do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. If you abide, you will bear much fruit, he says. If we live in Him and He in us, right, we will naturally or supernaturally bear much fruit. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Again, judgment day. Right? Those who are not truly born again. Those who do not move forward in a personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe they put up a nice front, but in essence, again, it hasn't, it hasn't touched the heart. But those abiding in him will bear much we don't use the word abide too much in our culture, do we? Uh, we? We don't say, well, Pastor Ron and Kate used to abide in Ohio, but then they moved and now they abide in Manchester. We don't say that, right? Um, so let's go back to the Greek that this was written in. And when we do, we find that it's the word meno. And the word meno, according to Strong's Concise Dictionary of the Bible Words, is a verb which means to stay. To stay in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy. I like that. 
to stay in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy. And when I look at what Jesus is talking about with abiding here, I see all four. I see all four. First of all, to abide in Christ, we need to stay in a given place, don't we? Look at verse 4 again. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. That given place for us to stay is in Christ. In Christ. Ephesians chapter 1.13 says, And you were also included, what? In Christ, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. When we believe, when we, when we put our trust and our faith in Jesus as Savior, right? we are included in Christ. I've given the, the picture before of a glass in an ocean. right? He comes into us, we come into Him. Right? So we are in Christ, staying in Christ. It's a place that we enter, how? By faith. right? And we stay there by that same faith. Right? Unfortunately for us, Jesus said in John 10, My sheep hear my voice, and I give them eternal life. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Suffice it to say that if you want to stay, there ain't a crowbar big enough to pry God's hand open and get you out. Right? You're in by faith. We stay by faith. Right? Number two, abiding in Jesus also involves staying in a given state. A given state. This, 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 this for me is, is one of those tricky ones. It's a state of dependence. Right? Look again at verse 5. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do what? Nothing. A little bit? Nothing. Right? That same faith that at one point said to Jesus, I need a Savior come into my heart and life, does not turn around and say, okay, now I can be righteous on my own. I can, I, I'm righteous enough by, by my deeds, right? I can be good enough by my own human effort. No, right? We stay dependent on Him. We stay looking to Him for His power making a difference in our lives. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not <laughs> by Ron who strengthens Ron, right? Number three, abiding in Jesus means staying in a given relation. Look at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Salvation, church, is not about meeting Christ. It's about knowing Christ. Even the Apostle Paul, with all that he had been through, he'd say, I'd trade it all. Everything I've ever done or accomplished in my life is not worthy of anything but the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Savior. It's all about relationship, right? Again, it's the natural or supernatural response 
to the Holy Spirit coming to live in us. There is interaction. There is communication. And for our part, there is gratitude. There is joy. There is yielding to His work in our hearts and our lives. A continual relationship with Him. And finally, number four, it means to stay in a given expectancy. Look at verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Wow. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. We said we're saved to bear fruit, right? What does fruit bearing look like according to Jesus in this passage? It looks like us asking for things from God and receiving them. He is glorified when we ask and receive. He's glorified when we get our prayers answered, right? What does that mean? Does that mean that, that I become more... Uh, uh, I have more faith in you, and so I get my, my prayers answered kind of thing? No. Remember what John said in his epistle. He said, if we ask according to his will, he hears us, and we have the petition that we've asked of him, right? Can't, can't ever get away from that part about his will. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying that if we abide in Him. If we abide in Him. As we continue in our faith. As we continue to grow in our relationship with Him. We can expect to be more and more like Him. We can expect to be thinking like Him. Acting like Him. And praying like Him. In tune with the will of the Father. What did Jesus say? He said, I always do what the Father shows me to do. Jesus often went to a lonely place and prayed. How did Jesus do all the things that He did? He did them first in prayer, getting His input from the Father, showing Him what He was to be about. Right? And so, when Jesus prayed, He prayed in line with the Father's will. And it was done. So, our expectation to be more and more like that. To be more and more like Him. To be more and more in tune with the will of God and seeing our prayers come to pass. And in that, the Father is glorified because we're bearing fruit. We're bearing fruit. We're, we're partnering with God. right? In, in, we're, you know, we pray that prayer, don't we? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. That's, that's me. Right as it is in heaven, do your will through me. That's fruit. Right, the the, the fruit comes from the root. The fruit is going to come from the vine. The fruit is the will of the Father expressed through us. Right, bearing fruit. Now I don't know about you, but I think some of the things that Jesus did, which were all according to the Father's will for him, like healing the hopeless leper like interacting with people like the woman at the well and Zacchaeus, the tax collector, right? And watching their lives be absolutely transformed. I think that would be a blast. Wouldn't you? 
Tom just shared last week about being in tune with the will of God, being led right to pray for others and the difference that it made. How does that make you feel when you flow in the will of God? Right? The joy, right, that comes from that, but being used by God, being in that situation and having God, you know, lead you to do something and you do it and you watch God move and work. Isn't that awesome? Right? That's why he says in verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. What is it that brings us the greatest joy in life is flowing in the will of God and having God working through our lives, touching the lives of other people. It's a joyous thing to be in tune with God's will, to see His supernatural power in action, and to be a part of it. Joyous to know that we have a Savior that we have eternal life, right? That we don't have to be judged on our own merit. (laughs) It's joyous to have a growing relationship with that Savior. And it's joyous to bear fruit for God, to see our impact in the world, being part of something much bigger than ourselves. Living in the expectancy of more of all of the above. That His joy, the joy that He walked in, would be our joy. That our joy would be filled. Made full. So abide in Me, Jesus says. Abide in Him. Staying, right, in that faith. Staying in that relationship. Staying in that expectancy. And we will, as Jesus said, bear much fruit. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your goodness. We thank You so much for the opportunity that You give us to know You, to walk with You, and to be used by You, Lord, each and every one of us, bearing fruit. Not not just the pastor, not just the deacons, not just uh, choir members, not just each and every one of us. A calling to bear fruit in our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in whatever situation that you have us in, that we can be salt and light, that we can be an influence in this world for the kingdom of God. What an incredible blessing. So help us, Lord, to abide each and every day with that sense of expectancy you would work in and through us day by day. We bless you. We praise you and give you the glory and the honor. Through Jesus we pray. Amen.